Hey, Manager After God friends. Thank you for your continued faithfulness and listening each and every week. Jennifer and I have often shared with you about how important prayer is in the life of a believer. It's so important, in fact, that we're told this in 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for us to pray, and we want to inspire you to begin praying for your spouse and marriage every day. This world hates marriage, and so does our enemy because he knows the power that your marriage is meant to have in this world. He knows that if you and your spouse are praying and chasing boldly after God together, that the impact Christ will have in and through you will be powerful. So we need to be praying more than ever before. Our heart is to encourage you along with everyone who listens to this show to be praying for your spouses and your marriages, to be strengthened, renewed, healed, prepared, and empowered to do the ministry that God has for you to do in this world together. So, Jennifer and I would love to invite you to join the thousands of other couples in taking our 31-day marriage prayer challenge. This is a completely free and fun way to build a habit of prayer in your marriage. All you have to do to join is visit marriageprayerchallenge.com and fill out the registration form. Once you do that, you will begin to receive an email every day from us during the 31 days to not only remind you to pray for your spouse, but we'll also give you various topics and prompts to help you know what to pray for. We dare your marriage to start praying like never before. Start the challenge today at marriageprayerchallenge.com. Welcome to the Marriage After God podcast. We're your hosts, Aaron and Jennifer Smith. We have been married 15 years and have five sweet children who are growing up way too fast. We love God and we love marriage. And we love to be honest about it all. Marriage is not always a walk in the park, but we do believe it has a powerful purpose. So our goal here is to open up the conversation to talk about our faith and our marriage. Especially in light of the gospel. We certainly don't have all the answers, but if you stick around, we may just make you laugh. But our hope is to encourage you to chase boldly after God's purpose for your life together. This is Marriage After God. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Marriage After God podcast. I'm Aaron Smith. I'm Jennifer. <laughs> I'm Jennifer. I'm Jennifer. I'm Jennifer. Now I now I don't know what my regular is. Like, <laughs> I'm Jennifer. And we're back for another episode. Episode 12. This is the last episode of season six. We made it. <laughs> Everyone's thinking, made what? Well, it's not <laughs> this was, easy. This is a big deal for Aaron and I jumping back into podcasting, but we love it. And we were already starting to talk about what's up for next season, which will come out early spring. And I'm always like, babe, I want to get all new equipment. I want to like redo our push. She's like, the content's more important. I'm like, uh, you're right. It's true though. They're all agreeing with me right now. They are. Uh, okay. So in today's episode, we are going to share our top 10 just kidding, 16 bits of advice <laughs> we have learned over the 16 years we've been married. One, I did one for each year. <laughs> no, it's great. It okay. makes sense. I don't know why I said 10. I think it's because most things are like a top 10 yeah. thing. This but... is 16. It's even, it's six better. <laughs> yeah, 16 Actually, years. I think I added one at the bottom, so maybe 17. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a bonus. It's really how to do all of them. Okay, exactly. you'll see. Okay, but before we do that, we must give you our uh, sponsor update. So Aaron and I have written many books, <laughs> uh, marriage resources for you, actually not even just marriage, uh, prayer resources for uh, your son and daughter, for your husband and wife. Uh, we have devotionals. We have- um, Are you praying for your future husband and future wife? Yeah, for anyone listening that 
might be engaged or have or know someone engaged. Yep. We also have some traditionally published books, including The Unveiled Wife, which is like the beginning of our marriage story and what God walked us through, and Marriage After God, which is all about your purpose for your marriage. And the reason I'm telling you all of this is because 2023 is right around the corner. And some people like to start off with a bang and start off with something in their hands to encourage them every day to grow closer to God or grow closer to their spouse or to their children, you know, and start off the new year, right? Start off the new year with something tangible to encourage and inspire and uh, move you forward. Right. So move you forward. Move you forward. (laughs) (laughs) No, I said it wrong. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know that there are a handful of resources out there for you from us. Aaron, why don't you tell them where they can get them? You can go to shop.marriageaftergod.com and you can get all those books Uh, that we wrote these books uh, because when we started this ministry, started this business, our thought was we didn't want to just create any old product, something to support ourselves. We wanted to actually produce something that met a need. That and was meaningful, yeah, and transformative and purposeful, and and that's what we did with these books. Is we we wanted to inspire your prayer life. We wanted to get you into a daily a daily devotional, and we used marriage for the most part as the focus of all that to draw you closer to God and to your spouse. And so, if you want to support this ministry, if you want to support this podcast, uh, go pick up a book and tell someone about it. If you already have our books, we just want to say thank you. Uh, because you've, there's so many people that have gotten our books and have told us what they've meant to, what they've meant to them. And we just want to thank you for that. So if you already do have the book or one of our books, get another one of our books maybe, or tell someone about them. Mm -hmm. That's a big way to uh, support the ministry as well. Or to go another step, uh, grab, you know, husband and wife after God and tell another couple to get husband and wife after God or get it for them. And then you guys go through it together. And then like once a week or once every other week, talk about it. We've actually had a lot of marriages start small home groups Mm -hmm. with our devotionals. And I think that would be an amazing thing to do. Last episode, we talked a lot about getting close with other believers, getting in community. This is a great way to start that. Yeah. Cause you have like a purpose. You have something yeah. to, to work with, to align with. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was it. Topic today, 16, <laughs> moving right along 16 years and 16 little bits of advice. Although when I was going through this list that we've made, um, there was one that came very early on in the marriage that you did not put on here. It's the one that stands out to me. Like, should above. we replace one of these? No, I don't want to replace any of them because it's kind of funny. It doesn't. It's not real advice, but maybe it is for uh, some. What is it? Just we'll start off with this. It was a newlywed piece of advice. Okay. Someone says to us, "If you're gonna fight, fight naked." Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. Somebody really told us this. And we've had many fights. Naked. <laughs> you no. knew I was going to say it. You no, at me, you're like, Don't but do it. is it too much to say that there there was a time in the beginning of our marriage where it became a joke? It, it was it, a joke. I know, but and but it was also serious. <laughs> so whoever came up with that advice didn't know how stubborn some someone could be. It didn't matter how naked you are, you could be you could be holding on. You're like, no, okay, I'm not giving in. Anyways, hopefully some of you are fight naked. Yeah. That's it. That's, it. Right that's the only advice we got <laughs> for all of our 16 years. So it's, it's brought far, us this far. far. As, it's brought us this far, guys. <laughs> all right. On a serious note, so, coming in. Oh, yep. Coming in at number one. <laughs> number one. And 
if you have been following us for any length of time, you would you should know this one. And the first tip. It is the most important one. It is the most important one. <laughs> now, it could be like, should we have put it at the end? Nope. Nope. We're going to just start right off with it. Pray. A lot. A lot. Exclamation mark. <laughs> yeah. This is not like, thank you, Lord, for the food, which you should pray for your food. You should thank the Lord for your food. I'm saying pray for everything. Like, it should be so common in your marriage that it is not an awkward, weird thing for you. Would you agree? Yeah. Of course. Uh, we have friends of ours who they live out of state, not in our state. <laughs> and um, whenever we're in conversation with them, they talk about how they in that week were knelt down on the floor, face down, crying before the Lord in prayer mm. for each other or for their family. And they had a lot of challenges with um, just their family and they went through a lot of adoption and stuff with their kids that was just hard. But I was yeah. always encouraged when I heard that their response to it all is prayer. was not just prayer, but like they're on their knees, they're face down, praying to the Lord, yeah. pleading, petitioning for his help and support. And, and then they'd have these wild stories of how God, you know, spoke to them or mm. used someone else to encourage them or sent something that they needed and covered things. And it was yeah. just, I don't know why that just came to my mind and really inspired me. So I wanted to share it. Yeah, and and not just praying when it's hard. I think that's often where we end up in prayer is we're in a hard thing. But pray for everything. Like pray with your kids for the good things. Be be vocal in front of your wife and in front of your spouse about the things that you that are on your heart before the Lord. Um, some notes I have here is regularly going before God with your spouse mm -hmm. for your spouse helps grow you and your spouse. You get to to communicate with each other to God. Uh, and something that's really neat about that is when you're praying out loud, often your spouse gets to hear things that are in your inside your heart that have not come out yet. Mm -hmm. Things that you're concerned about, things that you care about, things that you, you want to lift to the Lord. So there's a revealing and knowing yeah. process. It, it's exactly what it is. The Bible talks a lot about this being known by God or rather uh, or says knowing God or rather being known by God. Mm -hmm. It's a powerful thing. So when you're doing this with your spouse, it adds a immensely deep spiritual uh, layer to the knowledge mm -hmm. you have of your spouse and with your spouse. And the more consistent you do it, the easier it becomes. And I just mm -hmm. want to say that because I think sometimes it, our flesh gets in the way or it feels uncomfortable to pray together. But the more you practice, the more you do, the easier it does become. Yeah. Um, I, and I was just thinking, as we were talking about prayer, I was thinking about Edie lately. She's just been jumping on the tail end of anyone's prayer. Thank you, God, for everything. Yeah, she <laughs> so she cute. wants to pray every time, and I love it. So prayer, pray a lot, uh, make it easier. That's I, I don't want to put another ad, but I'm going to. One of the reasons we wrote 31 Prayers for My Husband, 31 Prayers for My Wife, is to help in this area, mm -hmm. is to be a catalyst and inspiration for your prayer life to inspire the types of things that you could be, should be, desire to be praying about. Which I really like. I really like the subtitle for those books. It's seeing God move in his heart, seeing God move in her heart. Because you're intentionally I, looking for God to move. Yeah. You're like, okay, God. Which I love. Yeah, I love that. What's number two? Number two. Tip two. Advice two. Little snippet. Most likely, always, no. <laughs> most likely you are the one who is wrong. 
Okay, let me reiterate that. <laughs> so this only goes for those that are listening. <laughs> Most likely, you are the one who is wrong. Okay. Ouch. Think about it. <laughs> but both of you are looking at each other right now. <laughs> no, I'm talking to you. Uh, when you fight, when you're in an argument, whether or not you think you're right. Okay, even if it's not a fight or an argument, maybe it's a way of doing something like loading the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Don't, don't throw that in. No, I, no, I'm just saying because it's funny because... Usually he, I'm right when it comes to Aaron the dishwasher. Aaron thinks I load the dishwasher wrong and he comes behind me and fixes it. But the, but I'm being completely honest. I'm not... What I'm saying is... I'm being completely honest. That's an objective <laughs> thing. I can bring... Let's bring someone in and we'll evaluate our, our ways. Okay. Of, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying it's not always a fight or an argument. Sometimes it's just a way of being or a thought pattern mm. or a habit. You know the, what I mean? Yeah. The, the advice is... Specifically in a fight or an argument, when there's strife, strife yeah. when you're walking in strife, it doesn't even matter if you are right. Mm -hmm. We're called not to walk in strife. Strife is a flesh response. We're called to be peacemakers. It's sin. Yeah. So when I often, I Jennifer and I will be, if we're like having a disagreement and I could just feel the Holy Spirit telling me, why are you fighting? Why are you disagreeing? Why are you? Why are you all like browled up, Aaron? And I'm like, oh, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Then why does it take you so long to tell me that? <laughs> I don't know, Jennifer. I don't know. Um, but most likely you're the wrong one who's wrong. So, and here's the benefit. Of if you this. both think this, man, there'll be much less fights. And if there is an argument, it'll be way shorter. Because it'll be you'll be so much quicker to be like, hey, I'm so sorry. I'm wrong. <laughs> Which is a pretty good way to defuse any fight. True. I'm wrong. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to say. <laughs> All right, number three. We are finite, limited creatures. Yes, we are. We did a podcast about this, <laughs> I think, in season one. I think we've hit it in every season, actually, in different ways. Because it matters. We forget so quickly how incapable we are of doing everything we want to do. Jennifer, do you, do you have like 50 things Currently Always. running through the list of your mind Always. that you want to do right now that yes. you can't do. Yeah. Yeah. Always. We are finite. And the reason this is a good bit of advice for you in your marriage is twofold. If you, wife or husband, I'm not going to say who <laughs> more regularly they're is. They're both wrong. So yeah, they're matter. both wrong. It doesn't matter. Have this list of things that you want to do. They, it doesn't matter what they are. And you don't realize that you can't possibly do all of it, either right now or in the near future, but yet you pursue them. You're going to push your family and your spouse Burnout. in a way that's unhealthy and impossible to deal with. And then you will also meet the devastating effect of unmet expectation and <laughs> disappointment. Every time. <laughs> But if you recognize, so a, a, a piece of advice that gets attached to this advice is if you want something, let's say you want to learn a new skill, like I want to play guitar. Jennifer, you, you want, you're learning guitar you, when you get I the chance. I want to learn guitar. It's one guitar. of the things on the list. <laughs> it's going to take a sacrifice somewhere else. Yeah. Because you can't do that and everything else you have on your mm -hmm. list currently. That's true. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And that doesn't mean there's not something on your list that you should get rid of. Because <laughs> often we we fill our time with things that we want to be doing. Mm -hmm. So if there is something that we want to do, if, if there's something you want to do with your spouse, then you got to be real. 
you got to evaluate the things that you're currently doing, the things that you currently fill your time with, and you got to pick and choose. Mm -hmm. And that's just a reality is you're a finite, limited creature that if you want to do something over here, then something over there has to give. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. just the reality of life. I would, I watched something and they were talking about how uh, we have all these things that we want to do. And because it's our desire to do them, we do pieces of them here, here, here. But then we but start we never do anything. But we never actually yeah. do the things that we want. We it's never the same thing. But like it's never completed or brought to. There's no closure in it because there, we didn't ever yeah. do it fully. We just did a piece of it, and then we run ourselves into the ground. And we're tired and emotionally mm -hmm. spent because we're trying to do a million things at once. And the encouragement was, if there's something that, like, you can do everything, as maybe not everything, as long as you do one thing at a time. And so take the first thing that you really want to accomplish and just focus on that one thing until mm -hmm. it's done. And so maybe that also will help bring perspective into this yeah. point. Good. Yeah. Okay, number four. Tip number four, something that we learned and currently still have to learn all the time. It's like an everyday thing. Take the next right step. And what that means is we make a mistake. We said the wrong thing again. We uh, dropped the ball in this area of our marriage. We, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. You, you just, you misstepped, right? There's lots of things. What the enemy wants to do, what our flesh wants to do, Sometimes what our spouse says even is like, well, you're never going to change. You're just never, you're always going to be the same. You're that's, this is who you are. Or shut down or run away or. Mm -hmm. And instead of doing the next right thing, we do another wrong thing. Mm. And the, the tip, the advice is when we fall, we stand up and we say, okay, I may not be able to take back that thing that I just did, that misstep but I can at least try and take the next right step. And it just, what it does is it, it's how the believers, a believer should walk is that we just keep moving forward. Is that next right step, even if we know that it's right, going to feel hard? Yes. Yeah. Cause sometimes we have some pretty serious consequences to decisions we make, mm -hmm. but we don't want like back when I used to be addicted to certain things and had, certain sin habits one thing would happen and i said well i might as well do the next thing because i did that one thing and mm -hmm. I, and i convinced myself that i should just keep going that's taking the next wrong step like justification for yeah for continuing in sin so the, the the point is the advice is don't take that thing you did wrong and make it as an excuse to do another wrong thing. So how do you filter through your choices and say, okay, this is the next right step. So like, let's say I lied to you, which I don't, but let's say I did. I don't lie again. I say, okay, I lied. I can't take the lie back. I can, I can reveal that I lied. That's the next right thing. Mm -hmm. I can repent of that lie. That's the next right thing. I can, uh, let my, my wife know that I'm going to, not lie to her again. That's the next right thing. I'm going to continue to pray about why I lied and what led me to that lie. That's the next right thing. But not saying something, that's not the next right thing. That's the next wrong thing. Trying to cover it up, that's the next wrong thing. Trying to justify it, that's the next wrong thing. Trying to minimize it, that's the next wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So just... 
doing the next right thing, even no matter how hard it is. So I feel like you kind of simplified a very intense <laughs> internal dialogue that one would have after sinning. And so I guess to back it up even further, what what place spiritually does a person need to be in to even feel those convictions or understand that process of thought of how you just went through it? I don't know. Because isn't that the most important thing I think that to know what the right I, step is? Well, being in the word of God and, and listening yeah. to the Holy Spirit and, and yeah. feeling that conviction from the Lord and and just not compounding the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Because we're gonna make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And just and and know that we're gonna make mistakes, but let's not want to make more mistakes because we made right. mistakes. Yeah. And allow yourself to enter into that place where you're having a conversation with yourself, oh man, I just messed up. This is Mm-hmm. the trajectory I want to go, this is how to get there yep. instead of avoiding that whole thing because it feels hard. Yeah. Yeah. What's piece of advice number five? Number five, you and your spouse are on the same team. This is a good one. And you actually say this out loud, especially when we're going through a hard time or if we are not on the same page about something or, or you know, mm-hmm. strife, Yep. there's strife. Uh, you're very quick to call out, hey, remember we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. I've always appreciated that about Sometimes you. Sometimes I say it with an attitude. Yeah, but you believe it, <laughs> and, it's con- believe it. and it's convincing. <laughs> but the power of remembering you're on the same team is, I mean, have you, everyone's heard the adage, uh, uh, divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Bible even says that, that a, a city divided against itself cannot stand. A marriage that's divided cannot stand. If, you, if you're constantly thinking like, I'm against her, she gets, she's against me, we're not on the same page, we're not on the same team, we're... You're not going to, there's no, you're not going to win. Yeah. You, you've we already lost. Yeah. But you, you remind yourselves you're on a team, man, that, that, that'll motivate and change every decision you make in your life. When you're having, when you have, are having strife, you'll remember like, man, I'm angry, but I need to, I need to work on how angry I am right now. Cause I don't want to be angry with my teammate. Like yeah. she's my partner. She's my friend. She's my, my wife. And to know that you'll be so ineffective. Oh yeah. So Knowing you're on the same team, it keeps you it's it keeps you safe in spiritual attack. It's a so much a safer place to be, even when it comes from the attacks from the world. Maybe like outside relationships. Uh, who knows? You name it. Being on the same team makes life so much safer and, and funner and more powerful, emotionally yeah. more stable. Just encouraged. Yeah, you name it. It's it's all around all benefit. Good. Yeah. Uh, oh, especially in parenting. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. You have to be on the same same team. team. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Number six, your spouse. Okay. I have to build this up. (laughs) Your spouse is your type. (laughs) This seems obvious. who you're attracted to? Yeah. Just, okay. Um, Explain. A friend of mine, Ryan Frederick from FierceMarriage.com, he wrote an article about this years ago. Just talking about how your spouse, he, he talks about his wife being his standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, but that goes both ways, not just attractiveness and, but like everything, like the kind of man that I am, my hobbies, my, my, t- my things that I enjoy, that's your type. Mm-hmm. There is no other person. There's not another man out there that is going to fit your type better than I, I, me. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I'm saying by this is, that's how we should see ourselves. There is no other girl out there for me. There is no other type of woman. There is no other standard of beauty but you. 
you are my standard. There is no, so what, what so, that does is like, if I see a beautiful woman out in public, it doesn't matter. I'm like, Oh, that's not my wife. My, my wife is beautiful. Okay. I was just, me. my question was going to be, is this advice for the person who is thinking? Well, many well I guess it's many for both. There's many different levels. There could be a lot of discontentment mm-hmm. in a marriage of like, why can't my, my husband be more like so-and-so? Okay, so like comparison. Yep. Or... Why can't my wife be more like yeah. so-and-so? But then there's also the insecurity of one person and how they think their spouse views them. Right. So it's for both. And then on a deeper, more sinful level, someone who's unsatisfied in their relationship and mm-hmm. is looking, mm-hmm. right, for something else. Like, oh, I'm not satisfied with this person. They should be something else. Because there's this other person over here that does this and looks like this and sounds like this and that, you know. But our spouse, you, Jennifer, are my standard of beauty and everything that a woman um, is to me and vice versa. I am your standard. Which, okay, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say continually changes because- We're changing. We're constantly changing. And so your standard of beauty for me is, you know, increases as I increase Mm -hmm. with age and- Oh, knowledge I saw and the, beauty. Speaking of what you just said, sorry. I, My body. <laughs> yeah. I saw the sweetest. It was a, it was a, a post someone did on, Insta, on Instagram and it showed this vile person saying how if their wife ever, you know, let their, themselves go after marriage, he would leave her. But then it goes from that statement to a guy saying, I'm a, I'm a photographer. And my wife asked me one time that, why don't I edit her pictures of pictures of her the way I edit other people's pictures? And I was so confused by it. And she says, well, you get rid of all their flaws and you make, you make them look perfect. And he said, and he, he's thinking, he's thinking, he's like, then I realized I don't edit. I don't have, I don't do that with her because I don't see those flaws. Everything I see in her, I see is our history mm-hmm. as everything that's happened to her. All the changes are, are because we have children together. And because, and so it's, he's like all those things that she sees as flaws. I see as, as symbols of, of my love for her mm. is everything that she means to me. And so he was like good. crying. And I was like, so good. And that's what made me think of this is that over time we do change and we don't, we don't have an, a previous standard of like, well, you once were this way and you've just lost it. No, right. you currently are my standard of beauty yeah. and I love you and I love everything about you. And that doesn't mean that we can't in desire transformation for each other or, or betterment in any areas, mm. but all that to say, uh, your spouse, is your standard. And as long as we keep that in mind, it, it actually protects us from a lot of temptations and also um, discontentment mm-hmm. um, and feeling inadequate. And it goes back to what we talked about last episode of constantly wanting to affirm yeah. our spouse in their beauty, in their character, and all of those things that are good and beautiful and that we love. So, so good. Yeah. All right. What number are we on? Oh, seven. We are both sinners and we both need Jesus. Every day. (laughs) Some of us need more Jesus than others. No, that's the point. That's the point of this is we're both sinners and we both need Jesus. I think a lot of the um, times we, we might calculate, I should say, or evaluate our own shortcomings, our own sins, much more different than we evaluate our spouses. So like, oh yeah, sure. I've done this, but you, you did this and this and this. Hold on. They're going to think I talked to you like that. (laughs) No, I'm mimicking some other family, not you at all. So no, I'm, I'm not mimicking you. I'm just, but that, that, that's kind of what we do. We have this, this dialogue with ourselves of, well, sure. 
like, cause no one's going to say they're perfect. Maybe someone does, but sure. I have this, this thing over here, but, but that thing you do, that's the thing that is more important to focus on. And we're going to pick at that. Uh, that, and again, this doesn't mean that we can't call out sin in each other and that we shouldn't do that, but it's seeing clearly. I think there's a reality too that of knowing that you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. You're going to hurt me at times. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do that too. And there's going to be times that we walk down some hard roads because of choices that we make Mm -hmm. and we need to be able to give each other grace. And we can only do that if we have received grace from Jesus. And also realizing like, man, my, my wife needs Jesus. Yeah. Like I I love you and I'm going to pray for you. And I want to give you that grace and mercy that you need because that's what I want. Um, And then it, it goes back to that, that scripture that where Jesus talks about the plank eye. Like often we feel like we can see so clearly in our, in our spouse's eyes, the sin that they have Mm -hmm. without clearly looking inward at our own. And so it helps shape our perspectives of our spouse (laughs) when we see clearly of our own. What? (laughs) What happened? (laughs) What did I say? No, I wasn't listening. I'm sorry. I had this. I had this. Man, it must have been real good what I was sharing. I'm just kidding. No, but you know that picture of Oprah where she says, you're a winner and oh, they're a winner. We're a all winners. A car for you. A car for you. Okay, but I'm like, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. <laughs> sorry. It's pretty true. Okay. Uh, I'm really essentially, sorry. Essentially, it's just, no, it's good. It's just shaping our perspectives of each other, seeing mm-hmm. clearly that I am fully capable of working on my own sin and seeing inwardly and having a good evaluation and, and judge self-judgment. Yeah. So that I can, with love and patience, do that for you as well. Mm-hmm. And that we both, no, just always remembering, we both need Jesus. I feel like number eight's kind of the same. Kind of. Well, we gave a, a 17th anyway. Okay. So this is, um, this goes into number eight. The gospel heals all. Okay. And always and all the time. So I, I yes, we need Jesus. I know we were talking about that, but this goes into how we do it. This idea of, of that we become a gospel centric marriage that we recognize that in every aspect. So if it comes to our parenting, we need more gospel. We need to know that God's transforming us and we need him to work in us so that we can be good parents. Mm-hmm. And same with our kids. He's transforming them. They need the gospel also. Yeah, They need to know that Jesus loves them, that he died for them, that their sins are forgiven and mm-hmm. washed away by the, by the blood of the cross of Christ. And that we're to believe. Mm-hmm. And what that means is, so the gospel hills all, is that if we if we operate in our marriage with a works-based mentality, that's not a gospel-based mentality. What that means is until you've done X, until you've done Y, until you've done Z. Then I'll love you. Yep. Or then I'll do this, then I'll do that. Well, yeah, whatever it is. Or I'll, yeah, until you've done this, until you've earned it. But that's not how... The gospel works. The gospel is believe. Unconditional. Right. So if we go into our relationships with that mentality, if we go into our marriage with the gospel at the center of it, then we realize what our spouse needs more of is the gospel. What we need more of is the gospel. The reason we have this disagreement is because one of us or both of us are not believing the gospel. <laughs> we're we're believing a lie about something, or we're we're believing we, we're owed something. And so it goes back to like, man, I'm not owed anything. Christ gave everything and I can give nothing. We've experienced a lot of situations in our marriage where 
there's fighting or uh, disagreement Mm -hmm. and we're just kind of at each other. And then it takes hours of processing and dialogue and what about this? And then you said that, but always when it comes back down to the root cause of whatever Mm -hmm. the thing is, it's always some thing we're wrestling with some lie that we've believed some insecurity that we have Mm -hmm. or a sin problem that um we've let let permeate into our way of being that came out and uh disrupted life you know and and that we've had so many moments where we both have encouraged each other to look toward the gospel Mm -hmm. hey remember and and part of the reconciliation is believing again what is true yep so the gospel number nine never talk bad about your spouse in front of others especially to family because they don't forget (laughs) (laughs) they don't i think we forget that in marriage we're constantly having these interactions and things happening and then we get over them or we have a, a moment of reconciliation and things are fleeting and we're with each other we chose each other we are in the in the day in the day out of it all Mm -hmm. and when we sidestep and have conversations with others whether it be family or friends or whoever and we talk about each other in a negative light that forms an opinion in those other people those listeners and they don't get the same process of reconciliation of what happened Mm -hmm. they're not a part of that intimacy so then they're just left with it yeah. Well, and it it paints a picture for the person you're talking to. It's uh it it doesn't it doesn't portray your spouse as Christ would portray them. Uh, an Maybe example, not even how you see them because it's done in emotional distress. Mhm. Like uh, um an example would be like, man, my my wife's always nagging me. Like that's a very negative thing. Mm-hmm. Let's say your wife is nagging you. This is not how you're going to fix that. Yeah. Going and talking is telling someone that all you've done is made your wife an enemy and made your person you're talking to think of them as an enemy. Left a reputation. Yep. Mark. You're talking, yeah. And you know, this is what's, this is what's so destructive about it. You go do that. Going back to a few um, tips ago where we're on the same team. All you're doing is tearing your own team apart. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is making your own team weaker. It doesn't make you look any better. It doesn't make you any stronger. Nothing. All it does is make you weaker talking about this and i want to make one little caveat this is not to say that you should never go seek counsel on hard things in your marriage when you go to someone that you trust and that that loves you i think people know the difference between how you're talking about someone yeah i'm struggling yes this thing happened i feel like my wife was being mean or i feel like my husband said this thing that's not the same thing as man i really don't like so-and-so or they always do this xyz or you you, i mean if you've done it you've done it and you know what it sounds like. There's but. a very respectful way to talk about a situation that you need help with or prayer for, you know, yeah. versus. One is I love my spouse and I want this situation reconciled. Yep. The other is I hate my spouse yeah. and I'm going to say this mean thing about them. Yeah. Those are, those are the two yeah. perspectives. So never talk bad about your spouse in front of others, especially to family. Yes. Which that trickles into number 10. This was a big one we had to learn early on. It was very difficult. And I know a lot of marriages, this is... People deal with this. This is a big deal to this a lot of marriages. Is, this is about boundaries. This is about boundaries. You and your spouse, this is the this is the advice. You and your spouse are on the inside. 
and everyone else is on the outside. Meaning when it comes to friends, in-laws, uh, anyone who's not your spouse. Yep. That, even your kids. <laughs> your, your spouse comes first. <laughs> well, you and your spouse are the ones who dictate how right. your home operates. Home, no one else. Life, all of it. My mom does not get to come in and say, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. She can give advice all she wants. That's all it is. I feel like you're saying it kind of harsh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nothing's happened recently. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to be strong with this because there are some people that have allowed other extramarital human beings to have way too much influence in not just what's influence, going on. Like they have more say than their spouse does. Mm. And it has been, it's destructive. It's completely, utterly destructive. Remember going back to your team? Mm -hmm. That's not a team. What you've done is you've, you say you're a team and you're bringing in this outside source. To defend your point. To, or... to be on your side. Yeah. And that is so destructive. No one, no one but you and your spouse are in charge of what go, with the say that happens in your home and how it, it operates. So what Aaron's trying to say is it's good to have, you know, wise counsel, Absolutely. advice, encouragement, people sharing things. I mean, we talk about this all the time, how good it is to be in community and mm -hmm. have family and friends who can see what's mm -hmm. going on in your life and marriage and parenting um, and to speak into that. Yep. But what he's saying is when it comes to you and your spouse making decisions for your family, that comes from you two being on the same page. Yep, no one else. And so everything else is unified, in, invited. Like, yeah. Hey, we, we're going to take your advice that you just gave us. And we're going to, we, me and my wife will evaluate that. Mm -hmm. So that's number 10. All right. Number 11, have fun more with each other. <laughs> have fun. Have lots of fun. Be silly, mm -hmm. play, laugh, dance. Why? Cause we need fun. Yeah, our bodies were biologically made to respond to humor <laughs> <laughs> well, and memes. No, <laughs> it's it's so important. If we're not having fun, I think something's wrong. If we're irritable all the time, bored all the time with each other, like we don't get excited around each other, like there's got to be something's got to be like changed. It sounds like someone needs to play the tortilla game. We need to do the tortilla <laughs> slap game. I'm gonna do that, but. Uh... Number 11, it's a, it's a simple one. We don't have much to go with it, but be playful. And going back to what I said a, a little while ago about um, don't punish the, the things oh, you yeah. want repeated. Don't punish the, the if your spouse is If your spouse is trying to be fun with you, don't reject it. Yeah, be fun back with them. Be more fun back with them. Surprise them. That, I would surprise you probably if I played with you because you go and play with me. me. I, I usually am like. <laughs> Actually, there have been times where you come up and you're, you're like trying to dance with me or be romantic because you know like that kind of yeah. thing. But I'm so caught off guard. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, what then you need to work at it too. Yeah. Let's have more fun. Okay. Number, Number 12. I'll do this one. I beat you. I will do it. 12. Schedule a consistent date night. This is a big deal. Now, this doesn't mean if you aren't even capable of getting a couple dates in a row and that, that's not the end of the world. Well, it's really how you define a date because you don't have to like go out and spend money or do something well, it's an intentional, it's, it's being intentional alone time with your spouse outside of the home, I yeah. would say. Sometimes you can go for you can a be, walk. Yeah, you can go for a walk, but having it consistent. So the moment we put it on the calendar. It happens. It happens way more than yeah. it did when we didn't have it on the calendar. It's definitely a game changer when you have kids. 
Like when you start having kids, you got to schedule that, man. You got to. Like if it, if it ain't scheduled, it ain't happening. <laughs> so we, and it also, because it's on the calendar, because it's on the front of your mind, because we know like, oh, on this day, we're yeah. going to have Dana. It actually heightens your excitement. Like you look forward to it. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, like you, you have something to look forward to mm-hmm. midweek or whatever it is. So scheduling it, making it consistent. What it does is it means that let's say you have a season where you can't be going on those dates, sickness, traveling, whatever it is. You know, it's still going to happen. You know, it's still going to happen. Yeah. And you're not thinking like, I don't remember the last time we went on a date was. You're thinking like, oh, I can't wait for the next time we go on a date. Some things we love to utilize dates for, especially because we have five kids at home and they're getting older and paying attention to every conversation we have, (laughs) is we like to check in with each other. We like to ask how we're doing. Mm -hmm. We like to dream together and talk about plans for the future and what's working and what's not working and what goals we have. Almost all of the big things we've done in our life were planned over a date. Yep. The house we're in. I'm pretty sure every single book, for the most part, was planned over some form of date. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. So, I wasn't it's, keeping a, it's track. pretty amazing. I know. Number 13. <laughs> what he's trying to say is amazing things happen on date night. <laughs> Number 13 is is probably going to be a hard one for some people. And I, I don't know why, because I'm an extrovert. But <laughs> have, get, grab, make. make, make uh, Cultivate. Yeah. Close. Married friends and friendship, preferably ones who love Jesus. <laughs> yeah, this is a non-negotiable. People, I I can't say it enough, and I know I know enough people that they they will say, "I don't have any friends." They will say that, almost like it's a trophy. I'm like, that's not a trophy. You need friends. You need people in your life that can come to you and, and not just you enjoy their company, but they can also tell you when you're being a jerk. They could tell you when you, Hey, here's an area in your life you can grow in and that you could do the same for them. Like those are, it's such a big deal. I'm not going to, in no small part, in no small way did friends play a role in saving our marriage. It is true. Wasn't the only thing, but it was not the small thing. It was the largest portion of the redemption and restoration of our marriage was close Christian friends. Mm-hmm. They, the, the benefits of it is you're not alone. And again, some introverts are like, what's wrong with being alone? <laughs> uh, you're not alone. Um, they remind you you're not alone. They, they reach out. They support you. They support you. They give you meals when you're sick. <laughs> but... Almost more valuable than the, those things that they do for you, it makes it's it's the ability for you to be a friend, yeah, for you to reach out, for you to practice the fruits of the spirit mm-hmm. in another person's life, because often people will say, "We've tried and no one will X Y Z." Like, well, are you being the X Y Z that you want in a friend? Uh, the, the radio station Air One always says um, there's plenty of good, uh, nice people or kind people in the world. And if you can't find one, be one. It's like, <laughs> like be a friend. Yeah. Like be the person you want others to be to you. It's that that's the golden rule that Jesus teaches is like you know, treat others as you'd like to be treated. Have close married friends. This is a non-negotiable. You will like your life and marriage will be so much more 
fruitful and beautiful and powerful and and all these good things with good close married Christian friends. And then what you want to do is number 12 and 11. <laughs> so you want to have more take, fun. <laughs> do you want to take those friends? You want to go on double dates and have more fun together. Yes. Those are some of our favorite dates and memorable so you Moments go 13, together. 12, 11. <laughs> yep. All right. Number 14, never stop learning about your spouse. Never stop studying your spouse. Never stop looking into what they're interested in and um, get to know them. And this is something that's hard for me because I can get so caught up in, not caught up. Um, I'll just say it. Comfortable. Lazy. Comfortable. <laughs> Comfortable. That's so much nicer. Familiar. Uh, you familiar. think you like, know me. I think I know you. Or I think like, you know, I almost more like just, I forget to ask, mm. how are you doing? Mm -hmm. What are you learning? But I, the other day I asked you, I said, what are you learning in the word right now? And you're like, you looked at me like, well, thank you. Like, I can't, uh, <laughs> wow. I think I, it had been a while. It had yes. been a while, but you had told me and I trying to remember and I'm trying to, you're growing too. You're a, you, even though we're one, you're still a, a unique individual human being that God's mm -hmm. imparting wisdom to and growing and maturing and, and you're, you're going through things and you're learning things and you're becoming a older woman. You're not old, but you're becoming an older woman. I'm becoming an older man. you just call me old? No, I said you're not old. <laughs> I am getting old. But that or... we would practice. This is this is a, a skill that we get to learn over the decades. What? Why is it important to know each other in that way? Like to study each other and to know each other? I'll well, tell you. Okay, it comes, you in, it comes yeah. in handy when you want to purchase a gift or spoil one another because mm -hmm. you already know what that person likes or is interested in. Um, it comes in handy when you're planning date nights or date days because you already know what they've been looking forward to, what they absolutely won't go near. <laughs> um, and It gives you um, ways of encouraging knowing them. So like, you're like, man, I want to be growing in this area. And it's something I found out yeah. about you. I can be like, Hey, you said you want to be growing in this area. How can I help with that? What's ways I can encourage you? Mm -hmm. I was going to say prayer. Like if you mm. know them and you're studying them and you can see without them even explaining to you what they're struggling with or where they're finding success in, you can be praying for those areas. Mm. That's real good. Yeah. Keep learning. All right. Number 15. All right. This is also a hard one. Could be hard. Learn to forgive quickly. Seriously. Go this one took Aaron years to figure years. out. Years. And I told him every day. <laughs> Can you it's just forgive me? It's something we're all... Oh, no. I'm sorry. It was saying I'm sorry. That that was That's hard for one. you. Saying I'm sorry is hard for you. Do you me. remember? You forgiving me is what's hard. <laughs> yeah. I totally messed that one up. Aaron, it took you years to say I'm sorry... Even on the silliest of things, man, I do not miss that. Well, yeah, that's another podcast episode yeah. we could talk about. <laughs> You've grown a lot. <laughs> uh, so learning to forgive quickly. I, I just want to encourage all you listening to go read everything in the New Testament about forgiveness because the Bible is pretty serious about it. Yeah. Uh, we've done some episodes on it, but the quicker you forgive, man, the quicker you're back to being on the same page, the, the quicker you're back to uh, being on the team. And don't do what I did. Don't fool yourself by just saying, I, I forgive you. you. And because, and when you don't, because then it just kind of buries I itself. I said I forgive you. It buries itself. Like, you have to you stop just... talking like that like me. You guys, I don't talk to him with attitude like that. You know what's I funny promise. is they can hear your voice. Your voice is so much prettier than mine. Like <laughs> They know that that's not how you sound. <laughs> uh, I hope not. Oh. Anyways, forgive quickly because it's better for your soul. 
Okay. And there's... <laughs> Last, but definitely not least, and it's also, this is not an extensive list of all of the wisdom that we might have somehow <laughs> gained over the years, but... Last one for us. Well, I'm going to share one at the very end, (laughs) but go ahead. We're like at 20. We're not even 20. Like now it's like 20. I'm just kidding. Okay. Number 16. I'm going to say it and then I'm going to explain. I'm going to (laughs) explain. Because it's not uh, straightforward at all. Have children (laughs) together. Okay. Someone's like, excuse me. (laughs) Just listen. Have children Ra- raise together, children okay? together. First of all, children are literally the physical manifestation of two becoming one. Okay? It's both our DNAs, both our images, both our personalities and characters, both our histories becoming into an, a new creature, a new creation, a new, a new little person. And I just think that's beautiful. And I think that's amazing. Okay? Now, if you can't, physically have a baby because i know there are people that this is this has been a long time prayer and 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 a a painful area of their life that they would love to have children but they can't um i want to encourage you to pray about adoption Mm. and to be honest i'm sure you already are but this doesn't mean you have to have only biological children have children one of the most powerful and beautiful things about marriage is that it is a between a man and a woman the way god designed it it's a it's a What's the word? It's a beautiful, safe petri dish, uh, <laughs> cultivating little humans t- that love God. That's that's one of the main ministries of a marriage, is to, if you when you have children to raise them to know God, to raise them to be children who understand the Word, and of course trusting the Lord with their salvation, but but t- raising them to know Him. Children refine us in a huge way. They refine us. They they challenge every aspect of our personality. And faith. And faith. They show us just how selfish we are and make us not be selfish. <laughs> Children are amazing. Uh, they give us an opportunity. This is something that, this is a huge thing. Jennifer mentioned a little bit earlier about how early on in our marriage, we kind of did, we were like in this weird place with this idea of having children. But one of the things that God used to capture my heart on this idea of becoming a dad, I prayed and I said, God, I, I want to be a better teacher and I want to be able to teach these other marriages about you. I need to know you more. And God pointed out to me, he's like, if you want to know me more, there's a side of me you'll never know unless you become a father. And it, that was it. It just, I was like, oh, I need to be a dad. <laughs> if I want to know more about God, I want, I need to be a father. And that wasn't the only thing, but that was it. That was the, that was the thing that just like that went from me being a selfish, like, I don't want to have kids because of whatever to like, no, I want children. Now I didn't know how many or whatever. I just, my heart changed in that moment because I wanted to know more of God and children give you the opportunity to become more like God, the father, the child, the one who has who has children and treats us as children. Um, they also give us deep and meaningful ministry. Like like life purpose. Life purpose, yeah. We're, Every day I wake up, I know for a matter of a fact, I've got little ones that rely on me and I have a purpose to serve them. Yeah, you mothers and fathers out there, I'm just going to say this, like one the, the most important ministry you'll ever have in your entire life 
is your children. Your first ministry is your spouse. Your second and most important is your children. It, it, you're, you're raising people. Like, we can go across the ocean and preach the gospel to people we don't know. That's good. But we have little people living right here in our home that we're with every day. Like, are we showing them the gospel with our life and our and the decisions we make and the way we repent? And the, like, that's that's amazing. That's huge. And last but not least about this idea of having children. The Bible, God tells us that children are a blessing from him. They're a blessing. So Jennifer and I, we want you to be blessed. So if you're contemplating having children, if you are desiring to have children, if it's something that's in the, in the you're, you haven't, you don't have any yet, but you're thinking about it, we want to encourage you to be praying that direction because we want you to be blessed. <laughs> so I wanted to make that thing. I know that there are some people that can't, but there's always adoption. There's also just your, your heart to be a mother. Your heart to be a mother is such a huge, good thing. So we want to encourage you in that and, and say, God bless you for that. So that's our 16-ish <laughs> bits well, of advice. The last one that I was going to share is really simple. And you can do it with all of these as you in implement them. Forms. It's just be nice. Just mm. be nice. Be a nice person. Be a nice person. Uh, be so kind. Don't be all grumpy all the time. Be kind. Like... Yeah. I can hear my every once in a while my mom comes out to visit and you know there's moments that Erin and I have a little <laughs> bickering or whatever and she I could hear her voice after all these years still say oh Jennifer be nice. <laughs> she does do. But she says it about my relationship toward you like yeah oh Jennifer and sometimes be nice. you're not even in the room she'll whisper it oh Jennifer be nice. And so it's just a good reminder that we be need nice. to be nice to each other in all in all ways, the way that we communicate, the thoughts that we have toward one another, um, all, our intention. Mm. Be nice. Yep. Let's get a little free bonus for you. <laughs> we won't charge you on that one, okay? Wow. Uh, this week's a, challenge. Oh, I, oh go it's ahead. Our, it's just the, I, it's our last time before the next season. I and know. I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for joining us and following along and just uh, supporting this podcast. We love marriage after God. We love the community. We love knowing that there's couples out there who desire to grow and mature and chase boldly after God together. And we just wanted to say, we love you guys. Mm -hmm. And we hope that you have an incredible uh, new year. And yep. uh, just, I don't know, we, we we're praying mm -hmm. for your marriage and we love you guys. While you wait for the next season, will you please take some time and go back through the last ep episodes that maybe you haven't caught up on yet? Check them out. And um, we have a lot <laughs> of episodes now. Uh, but also, would you please share our podcast with a friend? Uh, let someone know. Someone that you know that has a good commute that likes to listen to podcasts. Share with them. Lastly, if you feel inspired to share with us some thoughts on topics for next season, you can reach out to us um, on Instagram at marriage after God and just shoot us a DM with your topic ideas. And we'll be sure to, mm -hmm. uh, look over those before we start the next season, start the next season. Awesome. So weekly challenge this week, your challenge is to read the Bible together at least three times. Challenge accepted. Yes. Good? Okay. All right. I'm going to pray. Dear Lord, thank you for our marriage. Thank you for the opportunities you give us every day to love each other well. We pray we would be wise couples who cling to truth. We pray we would listen to sound marriage advice and apply it. 
We pray you would continue to mature us and shape our marriage relationship. Increase our ability to love and be known by each other. When fear or doubt creeps in our, into our marriage, we pray your truth will cover us with peace. Please use our marriage to bless each other and use us as a team to bring your glory as we support and encourage other marriages around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Marriage After God podcast. If you found today's episode fun and encouraging, please take a moment to share it on social media or in an email to some of your married friends. Also, would you please take a moment and leave us a review? Reviews help to spread the word about our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode, and you can always check out more of our resources at marriageaftergod.com. You can follow us on social media for more marriage encouragement on Facebook and Instagram at marriageaftergod, at husbandrevolution, and at unveiledwife. We hope you have an incredible week and look forward to sharing more with you next week on the Marriage After God podcast. Hey, Marriage After God friends. Thank you for your continued faithfulness and listening each and every week. Jennifer and I have often shared with you about how important prayer is in the life of a believer. It's so important, in fact, that we're told this in 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for us to pray, and we want to inspire you to begin praying for your spouse and marriage every day. This world hates marriage, and so does our enemy because he knows the power that your marriage is meant to have in this world. He knows that if you and your spouse are praying and chasing boldly after God together, that the impact Christ will have in and through you will be powerful. So we need to be praying more than ever before. Our heart is to encourage you along with everyone who listens to this show to be praying for your spouses and your marriages, to be strengthened, renewed, healed, prepared, and empowered to do the ministry that God has for you to do in this world together. So, Jennifer and I would love to invite you to join with thousands of other couples in taking our 31-day marriage prayer challenge. This is a completely free and fun way to build a habit of prayer in your marriage. All you have to do to join is visit marriageprayerchallenge.com and fill out the registration form. Once you do that, you will begin to receive an email every day from us during the 31 days to not only remind you to pray for your spouse, but we'll also give you various topics and prompts to help you know what to pray for. We dare your marriage to start praying like never before. Start the challenge today at marriageprayerchallenge.com.